Hi, this is Emily with the Limitless Female Podcast. You are listening to episode 35, How to Stop Emotionally Eating. Woman, welcome. If you're a mama who is feeling all the feels of motherhood, the ups and downs of hormones, and maybe even depression, then you are in the right place. Limitless Female is your confident inner voice, helping you master your mood and create the epic life that calls you. My goal is to show you just how enough you are so you can show up limitless in your own life. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be with you guys here this Friday morning. I hope that it's beautiful where you guys are and that you're enjoying being home with your families, that you are getting outside and experiencing that spring summer air right? Because quarantine doesn't have to be miserable if you're allowed outside. I know there are some parts of the world where you're not allowed outside, but here in Texas, you are. And I imagine in some of the places where you live, you are. So get outside, make your kids go outside, lock the back door. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) I know, I know you're all about to call CPS. You're like, this, this girl is crazy, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's the only way. (laughs) my good friend's so cute. She's like, and you better believe I'm out there with them. I'm like, you are the best mom. We don't have chairs outside and, uh, we have dog poop all over the backyard. Lately, we've got a few more like backyard toys. So my kids are out there more that really helped. But in general, I'm like trying to make them go outside and play together. Um, usually because that means that's the only time where like, they're not on screens or they're not fighting or I don't have to entertain them. So yes, that is what we do in good weather. We make them go outside. We go on bike rides. We pull weeds, 10 cents a weed, y'all. That's how you do it. And my little seven-year-old, he will go out there without me even asking. I'll be like, where's Lennon? And all of a sudden he's outside and he's like, mom, I've earned like $25. (laughs) I'm like, do you know how many weeds $25 is? That's a lot of weeds. He's like, no, I totally did. I'm like, are we counting them correctly? (laughs) Okay, enough of that. The longest intro of my life. Today, I want to talk to you guys about emotionally eating. Because right now we're home, a lot of us with COVID, and there's food around. And we don't have a very busy schedule as far as taking us away from the house and away from the pantry. Okay. We don't have as many things to distract us from what's going on around us. Um, And even if it's not COVID, when you're listening to this, when you are a mom, it seems like a struggle to be at home with all of the food, right? Like what you're, if you remember when you were working or when you were in school, you're like, ah, it just didn't seem this hard. Why is it so challenging? Okay. And so One of the things I want to talk about today is losing weight. I know that's not something we're supposed to talk about all the time. I don't think losing weight is significant to who you are, but I do think losing weight for some people will improve the quality of their life. And so we learn all kinds of cool things about ourselves along the way. And so for that reason, I really like coaching women, especially women with depression, on weight loss. Because I have been on medications that have made me um, gain weight by increasing my appetite. And that added a whole nother layer of depression, right? Now I'm depressed and I'm gaining weight and feeling kind of horrible about myself. 
Okay. Not that it's bad to be heavier, but I was making it mean all kinds of things about me and what I was capable of and that I didn't look like how I felt. And so I was feeling really down. Okay. Um, I've also had other times in my life where losing weight felt really, really easy. Um, I was a fitness competitor and towards the last, um, I don't know, four months of my husband's mission, he he wasn't my husband yet. He was on his mission and I was just so motivated to just stay busy and focus and improve myself. And so I trained for a fitness competition and I just thought of food as fuel and it was really easy for me. And I decided that food was not an event, right? Like I wasn't going to go with people to a restaurant and sit and hang out. I was like, no, 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 I don't do that. I don't have time for that. And it worked for that time in my life because, you know, I wasn't interested in dating. I had a lot of friends already from my other years in college and I was all in on like spending all my times in the anatomy lab and, you know, hanging out at the gym from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. every night, you know, squeezing in the gym stuff before my um, fitness competition. So sometimes it's been easier for me to lose weight and other times it hasn't, right? But the truth is, it's not actually that complicated, right? The reason we are overweight, we like to be confused about. We like to complicate. We like to believe it's hormones or I'm not on the right program or I don't have the motivation I used to have or, um, you know, I'm home all the time so I can't lose weight. We like to make it really confusing. But we are overweight simply because we overeat, that's it. We consume more fuel than our body needs to use, and then it stores it. That's exactly the reason we are overweight, okay? Now, if you're overweight because you overeat, right? The real question is, why then do we overeat? Well, it's not because you lack willpower, okay? That's not why you overeat and you're overweight, Okay. It's not because you don't care about your health. That's also not why you overeat and are overweight. Okay. It has nothing to do with that. So let's just start there with some compassion and understanding. Okay. You overeat because your brain is working perfectly and on its autopilot default settings that I'm going to talk to you about later in the podcast, when it's doing its job and working perfectly, it makes us overeat. And so we become overweight. So now that we know the real reason you're overweight, which is actually just overeating, right? That's the real reason. It's not that anything's wrong with you. You don't have the willpower. You don't care enough. You lack motivation. It's none of that. It's just that you overeat. Now that we know that, today I want to teach you the two things you need to solve for in order to solve for overeating. Okay. How to eat from your prefrontal cortex and then how to allow your feelings, which is a huge part of engaging your prefrontal cortex, cortex, excuse me, which we'll talk about a lot more later. So first let's talk a little bit about your primitive brain because we need to understand our brain. So we stop working against it and we start working with it. Okay. So your primitive brain is basically like your brain on autopilot. 
I'm sorry. It's like a plane on autopilot. <laughs> so if the plane is flying on autopilot, it takes very little effort. Okay. The pilot doesn't even have to pay attention. He pushes a button and he, it just allows the plane to fly. Okay. This is your lower primitive brain. And it's also our brain that served us a very long time ago because your primitive or lower brain is 100% only focused on survival. Okay. So if we understand the way your primitive brain works, we're going to be able to stop trying to white knuckle it and use willpower to fight against our cravings and urges and desires and the, right, the things that make us overeat. And we're going to start to learn how to work with our brain. Okay. So I want to teach you the three main functions of this lower primitive brain that we have that keeps us alive. Its main goal is to keep us alive. Okay. So the first function of your lower brain is to seek pleasure. So a long time ago, it was really necessary for us to seek pleasure in order to survive. So if we sought connection, that meant we were in a tribe of people and we were going to be safe. If we sought intimacy, that means that we were going to procreate, right? And ensure survival of our human race and our planet. If we felt the warmth of a cave or a fire, it felt pleasurable. And that meant that we should seek that, right? That meant survival. And it was all right, right? Even when we talk about eating like berries, a long time ago, if something tasted bad, it usually was indicative of it being poisonous or not something that would help us survive, but, you know, be the opposite, right? Would maybe make us ill or sick and, and die. So it was pretty true that if it tasted good, it created pleasure on purpose. So we were meant to desire these things because desiring and then answering that desire because we wanted to feel pleasure actually kept us alive. Okay. But now let's think about this primitive function of seeking pleasure today, because today we have so many pleasures available to us, right? We have drive through Chick-fil-A's and we have ice cream and we have perfect air conditioned cars to the exact temperature we choose. Um, we have so many things that create pleasure for us, which is fun, right? I love it. I love being comfortable. Okay. And so next time you wonder, why can't I put down the Oreo? Why can't I, you know, stop craving Neater's endless French toast? Okay. <laughs> the answer is because your brain works perfectly. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing that you don't have that somebody else has who as at a healthy weight or who has lost weight. Okay. Your brain is working exactly right. If you are having cravings, because you are supposed to desire, you were created to desire as part of your survival. All right. Now the second function of your lower brain or your primitive brain is to avoid pain. So if you can think about a long time ago, living on the savanna, and 
being out a long time, right, we would have probably avoid the sun, right? We didn't want to have the pain of a sunburn. So we learned to cover up, right? Or if something tasted bad, like I said before, we would avoid that. That kept us alive because it was usually, you know, dangerous. Or if we had an injury, it was indicative of possible death. So we would avoid injury, right? Except for the interesting thing is that your brain doesn't distinguish between emotional pain and physical pain. We tend to fear emotional pain just about the same, if not more than physical pain. You guys notice this? We don't really think physical pain will happen to us. Most of us wait till that actually happens to feel um, the pain of a broken leg. We don't anticipate the pain of a broken leg. We anticipate the fear or the overall impact on our life of having a broken leg. Like that will be so hard, right? So we don't distinguish. So our brain is misinformed when it believes that things that cause pain are dangerous and we should avoid them, that they mean death. So next time you don't want to go to the gym or you don't know why you don't want to work out or, you know, you're avoiding weightlifting, just know your brain is working perfectly. (laughs) Of course you don't want to go, right? Not that working out means death, but your brain equates it with um, pain, right? It is painful to work out. You are creating micro tears in your muscles in order to build them back up. And so your brain will tell you, avoid this at all costs. And it's going to sell you on it. It's going to sell you so hard, you guys. Your brain is going to tell you all kinds of reasons why it's not a good idea to go to the gym today. Have you guys ever noticed that it feels like there's a lot of hurdles to do something like that? To do anything that could create pain, it feels like there's a lot of hurdles, right? Anything that's hard, like all these ideas come up in your mind of other things you could do. And you believe that maybe you're not feeling well right now. Maybe working out isn't really good for the type of diet you're eating, right? Maybe you would lose weight quicker if you didn't work out. You did hear that the other day, you know, that working out might slow down um, and stop you from losing weight. That could be true. But I just want you to know that your brain is the best salesman on the planet. So there's nothing wrong with you if you don't want to work out. Your brain's trying to keep you alive and it's doing that by helping you avoid pain i.e. the treadmill. (laughs) Now, the last main function that our lower brain has that aids in our survival is repeating behaviors. It is probably the thing our lower brain is most known for, right? When we talk about default settings, like on an iPhone, right? The things that are already built into the phone are very repetitive actions, right? Things that you're going to use a lot. Like I'm going to use my email a lot. So there was already an email app on my phone or I'm going to use a messaging app. So they already put a messaging app on my phone because they knew I was going to be going there over and over and over again. And have you noticed that those apps are on the front page, right? The ones we want to use the most, we put on the front page. Okay. That's because repeating behaviors means we will save energy. Okay, so a long time ago, when we lived on the savanna or in a cave, it was really important that we save energy because who knows when's the next time we're going to get a meal? Who knows when we're going to be able to catch another animal? 
So we had to save energy and conserve our fuel. This is why we do a lot and we put a lot of effort into not using a lot of effort. I have to share the cutest story because it's just cute and maybe they're listening. But my friend's son is so neat and he's so like thoughtful and brilliant. And he went out and got these lights that connect with your Alexa, like light bulbs, so that he could just say lights on, lights off. And he installed them and all kinds of stuff. And I was just like, look at you doing all kinds of work so you don't have to do any work. Like, look at all the effort we go through, right? In order to save a little bit of effort. Isn't that so awesome? <laughs> and I think it's awesome. I mean, I'm going to go get some of those light bulbs. But I just thought it was so interesting that we put a ton of energy and effort into, in the long run, saving us little bits of energy and time here and there, right? Think how long it takes to build a freeway, right? Think how long it takes for us to build up an area or society or a neighborhood. But we're willing to do it because we believe that four years from now, somebody else or we might be able to benefit from that. And it's worth it to us. Like our brain is wired to repeat behaviors and save energy. Okay. And so this is a great thing. Your brain's amazing. We love that it does this because this is how we're able to actually live a fulfilling life. I can have a neat conversation with my son and do the dishes at the same time because I don't need to think about the dishes, okay? I can brush my teeth in the morning without trying to think about how I do it with each step because my brain has remembered that behavior, that habit, and it has basically put it on the front page of my iPhone, okay? It's collected it into my lower brain and says, hey, I got this one for you. You don't need to remember how to brush your teeth. I got it for you. You can listen to that podcast while you brush your teeth, right? And it's a lot of work to get things into our lower brain. Like I said, we're willing to do a lot of work in order to not do a lot of work someday. <laughs> we hope it pays off. And we do this with our kids too, right? We put a lot of work into teaching them so that things will eventually become second nature to them as well. Like being kind or being polite, saying please and thank you, or brushing their own darn teeth, right? So if we have this amazing brain that functions on autopilot and does all kinds of things without any intentional thought or supervision from our higher brain, and does it with a little to no effort and creates habitual thoughts and actions that we can do all by ourselves, how do we change or work with our lower brain in order to lose weight? How do we make it so that this lower brain serves us today? Because today it is causing us a lot of problems because today we have fuel in rich supply. We have so much food and pleasure available to us. And we have a lot of things that our brain has learned to put in the efficient behavior part of our brain. Remember and do this and don't even think about it, right? Just eat the brownie and don't even think about it. It will give us pleasure. It's for our survival. So how do we work with our lower brain? And that's exactly what I want to teach you today.
So there are two causes of overeating. And remember, overeating is the real reason that we are overweight. And I want to talk to you about how to solve those two causes. So the first reason that we overeat is because of over hunger. So over hunger is described as like being hangry, right? When you feel like, don't talk to me, don't look at me until I eat my meal. I remember my first child was hangry a lot. And I remember eventually I realized, oh my goodness, every time he's really grumpy, it's because we haven't fed him. And I just wasn't on a good, it took me a long time to get into the habit of feeding him breakfast, lunch, and dinner after like he had been drinking a bottle forever. And I just kept kind of missing meals. This episode is really making me sound like an amazing mother. (laughs) But anyways, we fed him. (laughs) But he was hangry, right? He was upset and angry. Okay, this is over hunger when it makes us angry, when it changes our blood sugar, when we feel faint and sick. This is over hunger. Um, Over hunger is also described as having a food emergency. Okay, so if you're out and you just feel like you're starving and you need to eat right then or you'll be sick, that's a food emergency and it's created by over hunger, which is why intermittent fasting has become such a um, widely used tool for weight loss because it gets rid of food emergencies. And I'll tell you a little bit later why that is. But over hunger is that really intense desire for food that makes you feel sick or ill or grumpy if you don't have food. But if we're going to talk about over hunger, we first need to talk about hunger. Hunger is one of our greatest tools to keep us at our natural weight. Heavenly Father gave us hunger to help us know when to feed our body with fuel and when we're full. And it works amazingly. It's like a built-in barometer for when to eat. And if we were all experiencing hunger rather than over hunger, we would all be at our natural weight where our bodies are designed to function the best because it would be really simple. We would know exactly when to stop eating and exactly when to start eating. We wouldn't need nutritionists and we wouldn't need a food plan. We wouldn't need any of that because we could just follow our hunger pangs to eat and stop eating when we were full because our hormones would all be working. We'd have ghrelin and leptin being released at the right times so that we would know when we were full or hungry. Now, if we had hunger that was working correctly and we weren't experiencing over hunger, it, the scale kind of looks like where zero is not hungry at all. A positive four is where we stop eating and a negative four is where we start eating. So we never get really, really full and we never get really, really hungry. We kind of can manage right there and eat between a positive four and a negative four on a scale. So that's the idea. But you can only use this tool of hunger if your body is calibrated correctly. But the quote normal food 
that we eat in our society, all the foods that people at a party would say are normal to eat and will tell you to eat, <laughs> right? You go to a party and they're like, why aren't you eating the brownies? What's wrong with you? Are you on a diet? You're getting a salad that's so boring, <laughs> right? All the normal foods that we eat have actually calibrated our hunger incorrectly because today we have ice cream, right? We're not just choosing to eat berries or awful tasting berries, right? In order to survive, we're choosing one scoop of ice cream or a tub of Ben and Jerry's or Sonic or a cookie from Subway, right? Like we're choosing all between all of these things that are super processed. And what they do is they affect your insulin levels, which creates overhunger and they affect your ghrelin and leptin levels, which I talked about a second ago. So you guys don't need to understand this completely, but ghrelin and leptin are there to tell us, signal our body when to stop eating, right? One's a full hormone and another one is a hunger hormone, but they're all miscalibrated because of the foods that we put into our body. Now, the difference between hunger and overhunger is that overhunger is like an intense desire. Like I said earlier, it's a craving or an urge. It's a food emergency. Hunger is more of a suggestion. It comes and then it goes if you do not feed it. Okay. Now, the reason that it comes and goes is because when you're all your levels are regulated, all your hormones are regulated because of the foods that you're choosing to eat and your insulin is working correctly, you will be able to become fat adapted. This is a word I've heard used a lot lately. It's really, really interesting to me because I study fitness and wellness in college. I, you know, worked with a exercise and science um, prescriptionist and then I trained for my own fitness competition. So I was really heavy into the actual physical use of nutrition on the body, on creating your body to look a certain way for a competition. And it was, it was really interesting to me and I loved the challenge, okay? But one of the things that they didn't know then that they know now that I've read about in a book called The Big Fat Surprise, I've heard Brooke Castillo who has a son with diabetes has used this method fat adaptation to help her son with diabetes to regulate his insulin. Okay. So the reason that being fat adapted takes you from over hunger to hunger is that when we are fat adapted, we are munching off of our own fat stores. Okay. So we are experiencing hunger that come and go kind of suggestion experience of hunger because we will have hunger. And if we don't have food available, the hunger will go away because our body will know to snack off of our waistline or our booty, right? Wherever we have fat stores. And I promise you, we have a lot of fat stores. It's all good. You guys, we are a very blessed people, <laughs> but we got some fat stores. Okay. So we never should have food emergencies if we are fat adapted. 
And so overhunger is one of the reasons that we overeat. That makes perfect sense to me. Does it make sense to you? Like, of course I overeat. Of course it's difficult. I'm experiencing overhunger, right? I shouldn't shame myself or feel like something's wrong with me if I'm overeating because my body is not fat adapted and I'm experiencing overhunger because my hormone levels are off and my um, insulin is messed up. Okay. It's all good. And I'm going to tell you a tool that I use to help with overhunger. Okay. But the next reason that we overeat is because of something called over desire. So remember earlier when I was talking about how desire is good. Desire was given us to us on purpose to procreate, to go after food, to seek warmth, to seek shelter, right? To seek connection and tribe and find your people, right? All of those things came from desire. But we have created over desire. Over desire is when we are consuming things that don't just create pleasure. They don't just give us a tiny dopamine hit like a chicken breast or berries or I don't know, the warmth of a fire, right? Ice cream gives us a condensed dopamine hit, which gives us condensed over pleasure, which creates over desire. Okay. So if we are experiencing intense cravings, it's only because our brain has learned to desire that thing. Because when we first saw it, we desired it, we gave into the desire, we ate the ice cream, and then our body had this intense dopamine hit and all our taste buds lit up. And it told our brain, oh, dopamine means to remember this as a remembered, learned behavior to repeat. And it drops that into our lower brain and says, let's keep this on our default settings on the front page of our phone so that anytime we come by an ice cream shop, we can remind the body without them even thinking about it to go get another scoop of ice cream. Makes sense now, right? (laughs) Why every time you walk by that ice cream shop, your glands start salivating, okay? It's because your brain has remembered this behavior because it thinks it's important to your survival. It's misinformed, right? And so over-desire is the reason that now it's hard to not overeat, which is causing you to be overweight. It's much less about having the exact meal plan or having the food available in your fridge. And it's much more about managing over-desire and over-hunger. Now, let's talk about how to manage those two things or solve for them. I want to teach you guys about prefrontal eating. If you think of your brain in two parts, we have our prefrontal cortex, which hangs out in our frontal lobe. And then we have our lower brain, which is our cerebral cortex, okay? Our prefrontal cortex, I've heard Jody Moore describe it as a wise owl. I love that because the front part of your brain is really good at decision-making, okay? It's really good at impulse control. It's really good at the long-term vision, right? This is why when you go to make a plan of what to eat ahead of time, it's very rational. It's very in line with your overall goals, right? We're going to read scriptures every single night as a family. 
It's very in line with your overall goals, right? I'm going to eat a salad tomorrow, a protein shake, and spaghetti with my family for dinner. It's very in line with your overall goals of eating a balanced, healthy meal or meals, right? This is your wise owl brain, okay? But then we have this lower brain, their cerebral cortex, and Jody describes it as a monkey brain. And I've heard it used this way with a lot of psychologists and in a lot of different literature that this monkey brain or your primitive brain is more interested in immediate gratification, right? And it's those survival instincts. And so that monkey brain is going to drive you to choose the things that are right in front of you. Okay. So one of the ways that we can engage our owl brain or our prefrontal cortex is to plan ahead of time. This tool is everything. And you've heard me say it before because planning is a huge part of overcoming an erratic mood, depression, overwhelm, any kind of negative emotion. Because planning engages the part of your brain that cares about your long-term plans, that doesn't leave you feeling guilty or like you forgot about all the things you actually wanted and you just gave in to immediate gratification and pleasure, okay? So what we do to engage the prefrontal cortex is I like to plan 24 hours in advance what I'm going to eat. I love this because being a fitness competitor, I am so tired of planning eight days in advance. It's like I have an aversion to it because it was so exhausting and the food became so monotonous, okay? And so when I heard the idea of planning just 24 hours in advance, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can do that. So I have my clients plan 24 hours in advance. Here's what happens when you do this. Number one is the dopamine hit we receive from our food is much, uh, di- much more diminished because there is not that gratification of answering the desire in the moment. Okay. So if you want to have a diet Coke or a cookie, put it on your 24 hour list, right? We don't need to get to the point of deprivation. We don't need to cut out everything. We just need to get away from over desire by lowering the dopamine hit we receive when we eat it. So we do that by planning our foods into ahead of time. And you'll notice that doing anything that's planned versus doing something in the moment when you just wanted it is much less exciting, right? Have you noticed that? That when you're somewhere and there's cake, you're like, oh my gosh, I really want it. I want it so bad. And you don't eat it. And you're like, I'll just take a piece home for my husband. And then you drive home and you eat the whole thing on the way home. This has never happened to me, by the way. And it's like so good. It's like, oh my gosh, this cake is so good. Mm, This cake is so good. That's what I sound like. (laughs) You guys, it's late. (laughs) And that is because we gave in to the desire or the urge to have it. Okay. So by planning ahead of time, 
we still can eat it, but the dopamine hit is so much um, smaller and it's a much less exciting experience, okay? And we're starting to break that cycle of the over-desire. Now, planning ahead of time also helps with over-hunger because like I said, you can decide much better ahead of time what you really want to eat. Not what you want to eat in the moment because it sounds really good, but what you actually want to eat based on fuel for your body. So as you're able to start choosing foods that are not as processed, you're going to start to um, recalibrate your body so that your body will release leptin when you're full and ghrelin when you're hungry and your insulin will start to level out so that your body will feed on your own fat when you're hungry and it will signal you when you need more fuel, right? Isn't that amazing? So instead of counting calories and getting the exact right food and hiring a nutritionist, right? You can do the work when you engage your prefrontal cortex to choose foods that aren't as processed, like nuts and berries and fruits and vegetables and grains and meat. Less processed foods to create um, hunger instead of overhunger and to recalibrate. And then also to stop that desire from being reinforced by the intense dopamine hit we get from answering a desire in the moment. So let's say we've created a 24-hour plan and we get to the moment in the day when we're supposed to eat a salad. And our brain's like, mm, but I don't really want a salad. I want a protein shake, okay? You guys can totally eat a protein shake. I want you to know that you can pick and choose anything I'm sharing with you guys today. And it has to do with your own body, which is why I don't tell people what to eat. The work I do with them is the part where you're deciding between the salad and the protein shake or the slice of pizza, okay? And yeah, it sounds all nice and easy to create a protocol, to create a 24-hour plan and engage your prefrontal cortex. But what about when you get in the moment and you have a desire for pizza instead, okay? What most of my clients struggle with is not giving in to that desire. Most of us are really used to answering that desire. And so it has become really, really strong. And it's hard just not to do it. But I want to offer to you that it's not hard to not eat something. In fact, it's harder to pick up the pizza, put it in your mouth, right? Put your hand back down, wipe off your mouth, throw away your wrapping than it is to not eat it at all, right? It's easier probably to get your pre-planned and pre-packaged salad out of the fridge than it is to, I don't know, heat up the pizza, maybe, right? <laughs> but it's not actually harder to eat healthy or to not eat the brownie or to not grab a bag of chocolate chips. It's physically easier Brooke Castillo says, what's harder is the feelings that we are left with, right? It's the unanswered desire for the food, or it's the overwhelm that we were trying to solve for when grabbing a brownie instead of 
you know, the salad or grabbing a slice of pizza instead of the salad. Okay. That is what is hard. And that is why having a coach is the most important part of weight loss because it's never been about knowing exactly what to do or what's happening in our bodies. Yes, I understand a lot about ghrelin and leptin and insulin and overhunger and overdesire. Okay. But it's not the knowledge that's going to make me lose weight. And I know this because I'm working really hard on losing weight. And it doesn't matter what I know, it doesn't make it easier. What makes it easier is a coach helping me to be willing to feel overwhelmed and know how to lean into it and how to allow a crave or an urge instead of resisting it and amplifying it and feeling horrible and not being able to resist eating the brownie. That is the work I do with clients. That is where the actual results come into play because that's why we call it emotional eating. Anything that is not filled by eating a chicken breast is eating to feel a feeling right? It is emotional eating. Even if you want to have the brownie just for fun, that's fine. That's awesome, right? But it's still emotional eating because it fills some kind of void or emotion. This is why we eat when we're sad. This is why we eat when we're happy. We have tied food to emotions. When we were little, our mom was like, you're sad here, have an ice cream, right? And then when we got good grades, they were like, oh my gosh, you got an A? Let's go get some ice cream. Okay. We have tied emotions to food and they're so closely tied that we just have believed that food was fixing those emotions, but it was always a short-term fix, right? We're always left with that emotion and we get a net negative effect if food is what we're using to solve for overwhelm. So the work I do with clients is to help them allow the urge, allow the craving um, to feel overwhelm, to learn to process it. So instead of it getting bigger and stronger and the pressure growing, they're able to just feel it drop out of their head and into their body and feel what it feels like to feel overwhelmed. Okay. This work is similar to everything else I teach. If you're like, Hey, this sounds really familiar to all the other stuff you teach. It is the work we do with weight loss is the same work that we do with any other goal or struggle you're working on in your life. And that's another reason why weight loss is such a cool thing. It's really just an opportunity for you to manage your brain and become the next version of you. It's just another challenge. It's just a challenge or trial wrapped in a different wrapping paper, right? And so we don't need to lose weight to be better human beings. We don't need to lose weight because we need to look like the magazines or because it will make us feel better to be thinner or because we'll be happier or our husband will be more attracted to us. None of that is true. Okay. None of that is true. But if you want to lose weight because you want to be healthier, I say go for it and you will become a different version of you because it is just one of the many challenges you can pick, right? It is challenging work to feel your feelings. 
it is really challenging work and that is why I'm here and that is the work I want to help you with and I want to help you manage your mood along the way because reaching your weight um, goals can be really exciting but it won't matter if you don't bring your brain with you. You'll just find another thing to be frustrated about. You'll just find another way to believe that you're not enough. So we got to do the work on your brain along the way and bring your brain along with you so that when you reach your goals, you can feel proud of yourself. You can feel excited and you won't have this empty space left over. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast on emotional eating. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. If you have questions about anything you've learned here on the podcast or want help with something going on in your own life, hop on a free coaching call with me. In just 30 minutes, you'll have real tools for your unique situation. Go to limitlessfemalecoaching.com forward slash work with me, or you can find a link in the show notes below. Spots are limited, so grab one before you miss it.